Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. You fools, both of you. You're being used, don't you see? Ah. Amy, take a break. You worked hard on this story. Heck, you broke it for us, but it's past you by and Smith is taking up the slack. Oh, you want slack? I'll give you slack. You're not putting me out to pastor L. I quit. Consider this my resignation. Effect immediately. Conversations about collaboration, episode 12. Kick-ass writer and overall mensch, Pete Corrado, joins me to talk about basketball, his ridiculously good new book, and the collaborative nature of writing. Before we get to our conversation, I've got a little news to report. My new book has dropped. Number 11, baby. It's called Reimagining Collaboration. Slack, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and the post-COVID world of work. I promise you, it does not suck. Here's the book in a nutshell. Over the past five years, organizations have adopted Slack, Zoom, and Microsoft Teams in droves. Think of COVID-19 as pouring gasoline on the fire. The pandemic didn't start a trend as much as it accelerated an existing one. Unfortunately, far too many of us mistakenly view these applications as email 2.0. As a result, we are missing out on extraordinary opportunities to create more collaborative work environments, increase organizational transparency, reduce manual work, make our work lives less stressful, redefine core business processes, and much more. Blame ignorance, not malice. We have lacked a holistic framework to understand the remarkable power of new collaboration technologies, much less unleash them, at least until now. Foreshadowing. In reimagining collaboration, I provide this essential framework. I advance a new, bold, and holistic model of work one based upon hubs and spokes. No theoretical text. I offer concrete tips for companies and groups and how to transform the way they work. Okay, enough about me. What do you think about me? I'm kidding, but I'm not. And now my conversation with Pete Carrado. Pete, where does this podcast find you? Uh, I am in uh, wintry Ithaca, New York, uh, which you know uh, very well. Um, yeah, I'm in my uh, basement office surrounded by papers and books and, you know, the various ephemera that gets me through uh, through the days. So, yeah. Ephemera, I'm going to have to bring my A-game and speak good. Well, one <laughs> of the books surrounding you is from Hang Time to Prime Time. Congratulations on that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And congratulations on your book. I know you have one that just... Uh, uh, what was it, book 11? That's uh, that's been yeah, something like I just wanted to properly do the spinal tap reference, so um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm curious to talk about your book in the context of collaboration because yeah. as someone who's written a book or two, I find it to be this hybrid, right? On one hand, you're responsible for producing, but you know, kind of like um, no man is an island, right? Sure. You've got your interior folks with the publisher, your editor, your cover people, your copy editor, your agent who represents you. But in your case, let me make sure I get this right. You interviewed something like 350 people for the book. 
about 315 if you count those are original interviews if you look at interviews that were used from previous reporting that were from articles that i put in it's closer to about 350 mm. um and yeah that that really is the biggest the biggest collaborative aspect with this book was that was that you know i have is having to convince people strangers a lot of them to to talk to you about this about for about this time in their lives you know a lot of these people were nba employees who were young they were they were um it was a, it was an important time in their lives and to get them to open up about working with david stern and and being young and full of vim and vigor to you know at a, at a real tender time in their lives yeah that, that was you know that was a that was a, a real effort and you know i've said this to i've said this in a few other places to me, like this is, I mean, my book, my name is on the, is on the cover and it's on the spine as, as it should, but this is not my book. It's the book of the hundreds of people who took their time and energy and thoughtfulness and helped me put this book together by speaking to me either for 20 minutes or two hours or however long it took. No, it's a fantastic talent as someone who lived through a lot of that period. And I knew the NBA wasn't huge. I forgot though that what was it was it the 1980 finals that was run on tape delay against is it reruns of Dynasty or something insane? Yeah, way? it was uh, Dukes of Hazard in Dallas. So Game Six of the of the NBA Finals, um, which is Magic Johnson's coming out party, where he puts up you know I think 42 points, oh 15 rebounds, six assists. I think I may have that num those numbers off as as a center. Yeah, he starts at center. Yeah, he he basically yeah, it's it's it is a magnificent performance. It's one of the I think all-time great performances, individual performances in NBA history. That was not that was not live. I mean, it, in a lot of portions of the country, you were that was tape delayed. I mean, Harvey Aridan in the book, the great columnist for the New York Times, writes about covering that covering that covering that game in Philadelphia. And he files his story. He drives back to his apartment in Brooklyn Heights. And watches the second half of the game on television. Uh, and the book's filled with so many interesting stories. I want to get to the collaboration aspect of it sure. in a little bit. But one other fun fact: I'm reading about Leon Wood, <laughs> who yeah. goes to—I kid you not—lifetime. I don't know if I should share that. Um, goes to a gym, and I—I oh. I recognized the NBA shirt. We started talking, and I didn't realize that I think he got picked tenth. Yes, I, I was reading a bit about Larry Bird in the three-point contest, but now he's a referee, and I've seen him arguing with Draymond Green, going, "I know that guy." <laughs> it's funny. I have a referee connection too. I know fairly well Kenny Mauer, who's uh, number thirty-one. Uh, he's a veteran NBA referee. I think he's been refereeing for almost thirty-five years. Um, so every time I'm, I, I watch the t I watch a game, I'm like, "Oh, it's, oh, it's Kenny! Oh, yeah, it's Kenny! Yeah, he's refereeing." Yeah, it's Leon Wood. Yeah, he's he's an he's a little he's a he played, I mean he had a very short career, but he plays a he plays an integral part in that story because he's sort of the inspiration for the three point shootout or the three point contest. But yeah, it's um it's crazy kind of how little little people play a small the small people play a small role a role in this book, but it has a big impact. And Leon Wood's one of those guys where it's like you know he's jacking up three pointers from the stands, and it's like oh yeah that could work as a as a as a uh, as an all star game uh, event, yeah. No, and, and and when I think about the collaborative nature of basketball, it it, mm -hmm. it really is interesting to me because football to me is very much a team game. 
I don't care how good a quarterback you are. If you don't have offensive offensive line, you're going to get sacked, yeah. right? Ditto if you're a running back or wide receiver, whatever. Mm-hmm. And golf and tennis, right, are very much individual sports, right? Oh, yeah. Big golf and big tennis. But in basketball, and this is why, you know, if LeBron or Giannis were a true free agent with no salary cap, right, mm-hmm. an owner would say, name your price. Yeah. Right? Because, as you know, one player could have such an outsized impact. And that was actually interesting as well, because you think about what some of these people were doing in the context of the game. And I watch reruns now from the 80s and guys taking, you know, 20 foot two point shots. Well, now you take that shot. What are you doing? Yeah. Because you should either move in closer or step back for the three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there, there's again, I mean, you have it's there's a there. I mean, there definitely is a, there definitely is a collaborative aspect of basketball, even with the soloists. Like even someone like LeBron or Giannis, because they're also, I mean, they're, I mean, they, they rely on their teammates, obviously, but they're also relying on, on coaches and analytics and all of these other, all of these other, um, as, uh, unseen aspects that make them great. You know, uh, basketball is now, I mean, to be a basketball player now or an, uh, any professional athlete now is a year round job. It is 365 days a year. And not only are you relying on just getting better as a basketball player, but you, you're you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, you know, sleep therapists, dietitians, nutritionists. It, you know, it is really. I mean, LeBron. I think. I, I mean, he has a whole team of people working with, working for him or with him to make Doesn't sure he that he spend a million dollars on a, a year on his body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, so yeah, I mean, that is you are, and I think if you are, if you look at a play, I think. The, the best way to look at the NBA now or, or, or again, any professional athlete who is, especially ones, the ones who are at the top of their game is that they are a business and not just a business in terms of like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm LeBron James and I'm going to invest in this or I'm going to invest in that. It's about the business of being, it's about investing into being the best basketball player you can be. And that's more than just putting up shots in, in the, you know, the gym over the summer. That mean you know it means it means doing the thousand little things that make you great and hiring the hiring the right people to impl- to implement those strategies. There's a really good book um, about the Golden State Warriors, Better Ball, by um, Eric Malinowski, um, who uh, you know was was gracious enough to blurb uh, from Hang Time to Prime Time, and he talks about how the Warriors were really one of the first teams to just incorporate video with breaking down the players movements and they hired sleep sleep therapists who study sleep patterns like that is something that i think not only teams are using now but also individual players who, who if they can afford it are you are bringing those are bringing those aspects into into their improvement so yeah i mean as a basketball player yeah i mean we all look at the soloists but but behind that performance that you that you and i see on a tv screen or in an, in an arena, there is a whole bunch of people that are making that player work. And it's the same thing with writing too. There are countless people that are, that are behind, I think every book, every piece of writing. And it's not just the editors. It's, it's, it's just, it's a slew of people who make, who make, who make this profession work for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fact checkers and agents and acquisition editors and cover designers and interior designers and proofreaders and all it's these crazy. people just to create the damn thing, much less distribute it and sell it and market it. If you're lucky enough to have that. So I, I'm yeah. with you. I, I've actually made the same point in, in my new book, well, a very different subject, 
my name's on the cover, but this wouldn't have happened. And you, I think, have a fairly long uh, acknowledgement section of three or four pages, but I'm with you. All those people, and even just friends, listen to you bitch and moan, right? Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's the that's the biggest. No, I'm sorry, that's the biggest thing is that you know, again, I I didn't realize how many people helped with the book until I sat down to write the acknowledgement section, which probably was the hardest section of the book to write. Because you think of all the people who took a chance, who took a chance on you. Not, I mean, not only in 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 my career as a writer, the editors, the 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 people that said, okay, well, this is a great idea, let's pursue it, but also the people who set up the interviews with with players or 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 or, 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 or the various folks that I interviewed for this for this book, the interview subjects who not only would were gracious enough to talk to me, but also vouched for me and recommended me to other people. Like, I mean, the, the biggest person in that, in that regard was Mark Tomashow, who was, who was, a, who was a Nike uh, marketing executive for years. I called him on a whim and said, you know, I'd love to talk to you for this book. And, you know, I think Nike's an integral part of, of the MBA's Ascension, blah, blah, blah. And Mark, you know, again, we had a 30 minute conversation, much like this one, just over, I think it was over FaceTime. We were talking and I'm explaining myself and what I'm doing. And Mark, I mean, I didn't prompt him. He said, you know, this sounds like a really good book. I'm down to talk, but you know what? I have a pretty good batting average. Let me see who else I can get you. Who, let me see who else will talk to you. And after that, it was just, you know, again, Mark, I didn't even sit down for an interview with him. And he's like saying, and, and you know, like 30 minutes later, it's like, yeah, uh, Here's George Gervin's email address. And oh yeah, I talked to Gary Way. He was at the NBA. And yeah, Steve Coonan, who's the CEO of the Atlanta Hawks. Like it just went on and on. So to me, those 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 people who took the time to talk to me and to and to and to trust me with their stories and who then gladly opened up their their contacts lists to, you know, to to pass me on to somebody else. Yeah, it, it is such a. I mean, this book is really a collaborative effort. I mean, I. I mean, I sat. I sat alone in this office writing the damn thing, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. It's not just my book. And and to your point too, the people who hear you bitch and moan. Yeah, my wife should be on the on the on the cover because like she heard every like story and every 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 you know every setback and triumph and and my agent too, Louise Shuri was was magnificent. I mean, she got me this deal, so I had to put my faith in her. To you know, to 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 make sure that she she in in her getting the best deal, and she knocked it out of the park. So yeah, it it is all collaborative. Even now, I mean, I'm dealing with a pu the publicist of Simon and Schuster to update him on what I'm doing, who I'm talking to. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm alone, but my day is built on building relationships and strengthening relationships through emails, phone calls to to just make sure that everything is 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 running smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am with you on having a sounding board or sounding boards. My friend Alan Simon, no relation, yeah, I call in the new book by Concierge. I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right because I'm thinking about things and, and I'm not writing about basketball. I'm writing yeah. about business stuff, but mm -hmm. I still need to piece things together. And, and, and one of the things I liked about your book is that it wasn't just chronological. I mean, there is a chronology to it. You don't talk yeah. about you know how big the entity is now without explaining how it got there. But it wasn't just, oh, well, he didn't mention 1985. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you ha I, that's, yeah. I mean, you, that's a good point with, 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 with a, with having a concierge, with a concierge or a, uh, an ally like that. And, and that's one reason why I love, um, I love Twitter 
and I love mm-hmm. I love LinkedIn because I think that's such a great place to build your army. I mean, I'm 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 one person here. Like, there's no there's no assistant. There's no there's nobody who comes in three days a week to like organize my desk or to like file phone numbers. Like, it's all me. And it gets it can get very lonely here. I mean, my wife has a has a very demanding job. Um, the only person who lives here is my four year old daughter Olivia, who is you know doing her own thing as she should. So I have labor laws, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, the pesky child labor laws is is just a whole other thing. Um, so to me, Twitter to to paraphrase my friend Jen A. Miller, that's my water cooler, mm-hmm. but it also is a way for me to to get help and guidance in this, in, in this industry in freelance in the, in the writing industry. And it's also a way for me to return the favor and help writers or other people who maybe are confused with something or have a question. You know, I, I really, that's been one of the joys of being a freelance writer is that I'm alone, but I'm not really alone because there's, there's such a great network of, of folks who, who help each other out. And if you, if you respond in kind, then it is, it is a wonderful community to be a part of. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but you can, you know, immediately the people who want to take, take, take. And, but I, I haven't found a lot of people like that in, in this, in this industry for sure. I'm of the opinion and uh, Brad Feld, who is a venture capitalist and multi, um, multi author of many books, uh, I feel like Will Ferrell there, many leather bound books. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's my new one in, in one of his mottos and he's a really successful guy but is basically give before you you get yeah i think about you know reaching out to you and, and interacting you on linkedin and social media and now you're on the podcast and mm-hmm. you know hopefully i'll get a chance to meet up with you at a concert at some point but um, you mentioned the the dual nature of it and you people who help say organize the interview but then ultimately you collate all this knowledge and then you're making decisions again you might have an editor who says, oh, I don't know if this works here or something works there, but yeah, how do you take all that information from all those interviews and turn it into a cohesive text? And it was, I think it's what about it, including all the back matter, what about 385, 400 pages? Yeah, I mean, if, if you throw if you throw in the index and the acknowledgements and you know all the 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 trimmings um, of a book, it's about 385 pages. Um, and I'll show you what I did. I mean, I know this is not a visual where where is it? Hold on. Oh, here it is. Oh. So I got this idea when I was um, when I was uh, when I interviewed uh, Pat Kelleher, who was with NBA Entertainment. He's quoted in the book extensively. He's now at NFL Films. So I went, I, I in one of the rare in-person interviews I was able to do because you know life. Um, <laughs> I went down to South Jersey and I interviewed Pat Kelleher the day after Thanksgiving at his office in NFL Films. So after the interview. Pat, Pat, you know, we wrapped it up. It was great. Pat turned to me and said, you know, you want a tour of NFL films? I said, oh, okay, great. And so, you know, Pat was extremely gracious with this time. He didn't, it was the day after Thanksgiving. So he has other things to do. So one of the places that he, he, he brought me to was, um, was uh, Steve Sable's office. Steve Sable was the, was the, I think the president of NFL films and the co-founder, his dad, Ed Sable was the, founder so it was his office and it was perfectly preserved and one thing that that steve sable did was he used note cards he jotted things down on note cards so after a while, after seeing that i thought huh that could that's a good idea so in terms of the books organization 
I did no cards. Okay. So what I did was any thought that came to my head or anything that I, that was I thought was interesting, I would jot it down on a note card and put it in in a subcategory. So I have subcategories here for gay, all star Marvin Gay, all star game, transition, CBA, and drug deal, um, Doctor Jane the ABA, hmm. rap music, things like that. So that really helped me to pick and choose what I could what I could go with because again there is with 315 interviews original interviews books after book read magazine articles newspaper articles you're drown you're you are you can drown in this information so i had to be very careful about what i pick and what i picked and chose to go with um in terms of you, know, you mentioned i think it also asked me about the collaborative the collaboration part of it um i'm a big list maker i'm a big not list as in, in, you know i'm a big pen and paper guy like i i'm very big on legal pads and pens it keeps me organized it's a way for me to get away from the screen and refresh and I, to me if i see something on a piece of paper um it it sticks in my brain better i i can't explain the science behind it but that that works for me so i'm also a very big day planner person so i'm you know i have a calendar that's just filled with tiny my little tiny scrawl of what needs to be done deadlines and I also, I'm also a big color coded guy. So if you look at my day planner, oh, here it is. Again, this does, does a lot of good on a podcast. Um, you know, I have things that are highlighted and underlined. It, keep, it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And it also reminds me that I'm not alone. You know, again, I think there's a tendency, or rather the, the fallacy behind a, with the writers that, oh, well, you work from home and you just, you're alone and you just need your thoughts. Well, no, I mean, we're you and I and people that are listening, we're running businesses. We are entrepreneurs. And as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, as a business, and damn, we're good ones. Yes. <laughs> which is why, I'm, which is why I'm calling you from a basement office and an, an, an unheated basement office. Um, you, you don't need heat. Mythica. No, you don't. You just, you just, you just, you just, you just gut it out. Like you're, like you're, um, like you're Mike Singletary playing at Soldier Field. Um, nice, nice. So but yeah, I feel the same way because yeah. my part of my favorite, well, one of my five favorite posts on my own website is the sponge theory of writing. And my theory is that I'm constantly listening to podcasts and reading books and articles. And back yeah. when we actually went to conferences, going to conferences, absorbing mm -hmm. information, and I get this idea. And then I write very quickly. I'm not interviewing 315 people, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it just it has to come out somehow. Yes. And it may not be in the perfect form, but there's something there that then I could kind of shape. And then to, to your point, whether it's, I mean, if you think about it, it's never been easier to collaborate in as much as, you're right, I, I don't have George Gervin's email address. But you know, right. even if it's your, your first proper book, you've been a professional writer for a long time, you might mm -hmm. know someone who knows someone or can vouch for you, yep. which to me, you get that warm intro and that's a hell of a lot different than going to a website and filling out an anonymous contact. Oh, that's, I hate that. You know, and, and to, to, to go back to your earlier point. Yeah. I mean, it's part of also getting better at anything, I think is also reading and exposing yourself to going to conferences. Um, you know, I, I really hope to visit, excuse me, uh, ASJA's virtual conference this year because I went to the I went to the I went to the one in 2017, and that's the American Society of Journals and Authors, and that was an invaluable period of time. I mean, there was so much that I learned, and there was so much there, you know I met people that I'm still in contact with. The networking opportunities were great. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to, to, you know, a podcast. I listen to, I listen to a couple podcasts pretty religiously. The long form podcast is great. Um, the creative nonfiction podcast with Brendan O'Mara is really good. Um, because again, you have writers breaking down what they do, uh, and also talking about the realities of, of being a writer in day-to-day life. So getting, going back to going to those wells and replenishing yourself is so important and not just um, the writer magazines are great, a great publication. I read that as often as I can going to those publications and those, those conferences and listening to those podcasts that feeds your brain. It also inspires you. you know, that's, that's so important. And you're right too. The worst thing I, the one thing I hate when I'm reaching out to people is when you have to go to the contact form on a website or when you pitch an editor and they and their their address the address that you're supposed to send to you're supposed to send your query to is pitches at blah 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 or editor at blah you're never gonna you're never gonna get an answer it's always better to get that warm introduction that hey Joe Schmo said I should reach out to you uh, that goes that is such a door opener yeah because yeah. people want people want people gravitate toward whom they know and. You know, it's, it's, I think that's just how life is. You know, you're going to be more open with someone if they come recommended from a friend or a business associate than just like, you know, just a cold pitch email. And the other thing too is, I don't know if you've seen this because you, you probably have been exposed to this more than I have, but you know, every time I wrote to somebody through email, it was an actual fresh email. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to send a form letter. You, you have to be, you have to present yourself when you are dealing with people, whether it's an interview or a book proposal or whatever, the, the, the method of communication is easier than ever. You know, we're not, I'm not going to Staples buying, you know, bonded paper and writing a, writing a, <laughs> writing a resume out or, or, or a cover letter, but you can't make those, you cannot be lazy in how you reach how you reach people i mean you have that the email address gives you that opening but then you have to go come forward and present yourself as a person as someone who has reason or passion or logic you can't just be like dear sir or madam i want doesn't work doesn't work yeah i struggle with that because when i was getting blurs for my current book i sent out a mass email with people who blurred previous books and with whom I had a relationship. And one of my friends called me out and said, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and I can understand where he's coming from on the other hand, because I had a relationship. I struggle with it. You know, in one hand, the technology can make us more efficient, but that can make us also a bit uh, more impersonal or, or less personal. Yeah. And as you know, the, the, the context could be lacking, even in a tool that we both love Slack, right? Yeah. Any text-based message. Right. Particularly if you're new to a company or a group, loses that context, right? Were you joking or not? Right. Yeah. Now absolutely. maybe maybe an emoji can help, but it <laughs> wouldn't be the first time in the history of any, you know, non-written communication that someone was basically offended, right? Yeah. When your heart was in the right place. Right. No, I mean you mentioned the one thing that I I, I find I'm glad you mentioned the that email story because I one thing that I think needs to be um, eliminated um, sooner rather than later with the holidays coming up is what is the point of getting an email greeting card from somebody or like one of those form email where it's like happy holidays from the Johnson group like wh- I don't 
to me, I think what differentiates anybody, I think in any field is, is there is, is the personal touch. So, I mean, if I ran a business or a business, I'm not like doing a business, but if I was in a position where I was, there you go, see the, the book, the book plates that, that has to be, you have to show yourself a little bit. If you're going to, if you're going to express gratitude or appreciation, like it takes five seconds to write, to sign a Christmas card and put it in the mail. Yeah. And I, and I think that goes a long, a long way. And I'm glad you brought the book plates too, because that's a way that I can say, thank you. Thank you for buying my book. Thank you for, thank you for investing your time and your energy in I actually buy it. I'm a porch pirate and I just grab a bunch of stuff you know, <laughs> with yours. I say, oh, this looks good. But no, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm going to send out, I don't know, 25 or 50 copies to people who helped me with the book, whether editor or people who blurbed it. And in the yeah. past, you know, if, if you live in Timbuktu, I'll do it off Amazon because I don't want to deal with shipping to Timbuktu, but very few people do. And I'm just going to you know, sign the books, put them in the mail. It's a little bit more inconvenient. It's a little bit more expensive, but you know what? It's a nicer way of saying thank you. And, and fortunately, you know, I'm able to do that. Uh, whereas, you know, with, with some of the publishing deals that are out there, you know, they don't really give you a, a discount to purchase the book. So they just make it inconvenient. So I, I'm with you. And you know, there is something to be said for that tactile. And it's, it's just a nice way of saying thank you. No, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. Simon & Schuster has, um, I guess Simon & Schuster, yeah, let me try that again. Simon & Schuster, um, uh, Atria is their imprint. The book is, is published through Atria Books. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a, a, a major publishing company who will send me book, who can send me book plates and it's not costing me anything. Like they sent me plenty of free copies of the book, which I sent out to, Again, sources that were, that were particularly helpful, like more helpful than they should have been, um, you know, to friends and family. Um, I mean, again, you can't send out to everybody. That's the that's the real issue here. You can't, you know, I can I'm not going to send out 150 copies to everybody who wants a copy, but I can use that as a way to say thank you. I can use that to show the personal side. Look, this is writing is regardless of whether you're writing for. Regardless of where, of where you're writing for, where you're writing for, for it, this is a personal business because it, it, you're, it's a human business. I mean, a person is writing the words that you read, you know, nine times out of 10. So, and that's the thing with the book too. I mean, you, you, you don't, if you have the resources and the time to make that personal effort, you should. I mean, and I don't always make it either. I mean, it's, it's tough right now. There's a lot of things going on. We're yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. It, it's not, it, it, this isn't exactly a, a time where we can practice indulgences. But if I have the opportunity to do that, I will send, you know, I will, I will try and go that, I will try and go that extra step to show that a person is behind the voice on the telephone or the, 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 the line on the email. And I think, I think the book plates are a really great way to do that. Um, you know, I, I think also just taking the time with every appearance that I make, um, to just be thoughtful and to not just regurgitate talking points go, it goes a long way too. I mean, it's, yeah. you, you don't, you, you never want to be, you never, you never want to be a form letter in real life. Like you never want to just be like, you know, dear sir or madam, like I, hello, insert name 
here's my story about the book or here's my you want you this is all again we are even though we are at we are in we are in an environment where everything is is based in technology now you know the zoom call phone whatever it's still about it still goes down to people and that's just how that's how it goes. And you know, when you're when you're telling that story, it reminded me of um, the band Rush, my all time favorite. And oh, don't even get me started. I won't shut up about them. But I got to interview Neil Peart, and I think it was 2014, which was one of my mm-hmm. life highlights. Rest in peace. Yeah. And he talked about how it could be their 50th show on a tour, but they still brought their A game because it could be someone's only time. Seeing- Absolutely. And, and to your point, and, and I listened to previous podcasts of yours, you know, you're not nailing it in and you are prepared. And even yeah. when it comes to things like making sure that you're, you know, you've got dedicated time and space and internet connection, because it's, you know, I've been on the other side of it where you go, this person, you know, this person screwed up the title of my book in the first 30 seconds of the interview. Yeah. What are you doing? No, it's the thing is like, and I've been on that side where I've interviewed authors and I've interviewed filmmakers and directors. and international man of mystery exactly so i'm a so i'm a and that was exciting for me and i know it's exciting for someone else to be i i would hope to be talking to me or or they like the book and they, and they want to they, and they want to share the enthusiasm for it, which i've been extremely grateful for so i owe it to the person who is taking their time to bring me on to their radio show or or interview me for their story or whatever to bring the energy that they are bringing that that they're to respond to their energy so it, it's to me because i've been on that side i have done you know i've done tons of of interviews and for various publications and there is nothing worse when i have when i have prepared and brought my energy and done the homework and the other person just doesn't give a shit it is just it is the most deflating feeling in the world so the so I'm tr- so with each of the, with all these appearances, I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying I'm trying to be as genuine and as real as I can, because I think you know again it goes back to what I've said I like I've said this a lot on this podcast it's, you know it's about the person you know you're you I don't think I'm not in the I'm not in the position where, <laughs> where I can afford to be you know. Um, where I can afford to be a dick right now, you know, I, I and I just, but, and, but I'm not, but Dare I, to dream. I, what is it? Dare to dream. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a great line. I mean, you're, you're a movie, you're a movie fan. Like there's a great line in, um, you ever see the movie? Uh, can you ever, can you ever forgive me with uh, Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant? No, it's a great movie. And it's about this. It's about this struggling writer named it's based on a true story. So Melissa McCarthy plays, this um plays a writer named lee israel who is a who's written a couple of really great biographies and she was you know new york times bestseller but she's fallen on hard times and she's developed a reputation for being just um difficult to work with and just you know brusque and she's an alcoholic her life is in shambles so she visits so there's a scene in the movie that i love where she where um lee israel the Wilson mccarthy character brain visits her agent and is all about like you know she's she's demanding like why am I, you know get me an advance for my book like I'm I'm a great writer I'm this I'm that why is Tom Clancy getting three million dollars and you can't give me ten thousand dollars and she's just she is completely laying into her agent just like insulting her and just saying you know and the agent says you know what be you know when you're when you're rich and famous you can afford to be an asshole 
but right now you can't. So not, I'm not saying that that, that after like book three, I'm going to become a raging asshole. I, I, I hope not, <laughs> but a lot of this is just, again, I think the key to any kind of success and, and this goes back to your original point collaboration is just making people's lives easier. You know, like, you know, get stuff in on time. If you're going to be late, let them know, right. you know, offer ideas, be, be a participant. If you're not, if you're, if you're, if you take on the wounded artist um, routine, nobody wins with that because we're not, we're, we're, we're all, anyone in this, in. I'm incredibly the, wounded. <laughs> anyone who's a freelance writer or, or, or an artist or a musician, they're all business people and they're all trying to make their way in this world. And you, you can't afford to, you can't afford to cut people down or, or push people out of the way or be difficult to work with when you're in this situation. I mean, th I think being, being pleasant goes a very long way. Um, I don't know. I mean, even, I, yeah, I, I mean, days. absolutely. Like if you, if, I'll give you an example, like Jeff Perlman, I don't know if you know Jeff's work. He's written a bunch of sports biographies. I saw your post on LinkedIn today. Hashtag stalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff, you know, Jeff has written a number of New York Times bestsellers, about bestsellers, but he is someone who will reach out to any writer who has a question for him. He will go on every podcast, every radio show. He, he doesn't need to be that. Per he doesn't need to do that. He could very easily say, well, I'm Jeff Perlman. You know, I'm too busy for this. He, he goes the extra mile and he, he is, he is accommodating to you know he's accommodating anybody who has the time for him and i think that's the kind of that's kind of writer i'd like to be i want to be somebody who if you're a struggling writer or you're somebody who has a question you can reach out to me and i'll, I'll try and have an answer for you but you know but if you're if you're gonna try and if you're gonna but it, but again that only goes so far if you're gonna be aggressive about it or belligerent or demand an answer or like hey give me your contacts like i'm not gonna play that game but I will. But if you if you reach out a hand, I want to help because so many people help me, and that goes back to again the collab the collaboration part of it. You know, no successful writer, um, no or nobody who's done this for as long as I have, and I've done this for about fifteen years, goes at this alone. Nobody, nobody. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. I'll get you out of here on this beat. Give me sure. a book you're reading right now. Well, let's see. I am right now in a so situation. What is it? There's so many. Let me know oh, that there are so many, but it's, it's, it's right now. Like I'm just pimping my book to the nth degree. So I'm not, I'm not really, uh, I, I have, I've had, I have usually nine times my reading time, but that's been capsized. But the last book I read that I thought was really, really good. And I thought was just exceptional was, um, I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara. Uh, the book about the, the, uh, the golden state killer. Um, I thought that was really, really well done. Um, and I thought it was um, a really good mixture of memoir and journalism. And I, I highly recommend that. And I'm also reading in the book that I'm reading now, which I'm hoping to finish by, I don't know, 2025, is um, Kate Murphy's uh, Crazy 08, which is about the 1908 uh, baseball season, which I think is... Um, which is entertaining and educational and just really funny and written in a very irreverent, um, but thorough way. And I really wish Kate Murphy would wrote another book. That book is great. And I'm, I'm the only reason why I haven't finished it is that 
you know, it's the holidays. I have a book out and it's just, you know, our, our daughter is home because there was a COVID scare um, at her preschool. So it's just right now, it's just everything's coming at me. So uh, my reading time has been um, been diminished a little bit. So, Pete, thanks for taking the time. Good luck with the book. My pleasure, Phil. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, or subscribe. Merci, gracias, obrigado to the producer of this podcast, podcastedition.com. You guys rock. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.